What is up, everybody? Adrian M. Gibson here. What you're about to hear is the audio version of a live author panel recorded at TBRCon 2023. TBRCon is an all-virtual sci-fi, fantasy, and horror convention that I directed and organized and was founded by David Walters of Fanfy Addict. And this year, we had the pleasure of hosting 30 author panels, which were absolutely amazing, and I highly recommend checking them out. But since so many of you listen to podcasts and prefer that over watching things on YouTube, I have published this live author panel here on the SFF Addicts podcast feed. I'll be releasing a new author panel every Friday until they run out. So until then, sit back and enjoy this week's TBRCon 2023 author panel. Enjoy. Welcome everyone who is watching now live as well as people who will be watching in the future to our panel. Um, We're time traveling. This is awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is part of the sci-fi. You know what it's called. I can't say the other one. Oh yeah, we don't talk about the other one. No, they're SPFBO self-published fantasy blog off and then the science fiction side the self-published science fiction competition. We're going to talk about all things related to both of those. We're pretty excited. I did want to give a quick shout out to FanFi Addict as a whole, as well as Adrian, who has been coordinating a lot of this stuff. We've also got Sean who's helping out with our, our tech side today. So thank you all for organizing TBRCon. We love being a part of it and being able to participate in the other panels and, and view lots of great content. So I know I've already listened to quite a few panels and they've been really fantastic so far. So ours will be the worst. But it's one of the last, hey, so guaranteed. <laughs> the bar is low. Speak for yourself. Do what we gotta do. <laughs> All right, let's kick it off with some introductions. So uh, we'll just go through each of you. We'll start with Patrice and jump over to Rob. Let us know who you are, what genre you write, uh, what your SPFBO books have been, uh, and then a favorite character you have written. That's okay. The, All right. One. I have a couple hours for that. No. Okay, so I'm Patrice Fitzgerald, and I am an author uh, and a publisher of myself and others, and a former attorney, a recovering attorney, as I like to say. And as I shared with the panel before we went on the air live, a bit of a singer. So um, <laughs> I was not involved with SPIFBO, but I was involved with the inaugural year of SPSFC, and we're thinking of a good acronym for that. Space Thick is one that has been suggested. And I was very excited that the Among book others. that I co-wrote, wait, here's my commercial, Captain Wu. Let's see, can we see it here? Part of the Starship <laughs> Nameless uh, trilogy. Um, came in third place. It was one of the seven finalists, and by scores, it came in third. There's only one winner, though, so um, a lovely woman from Sweden, and I'm trying to remember her first name because she goes by initials. Iron Truth is her book. I think she won first prize. It was very impressive. And this year, I am a judge in SpaceFic, SPSFC, and um, having a great time. It's really wonderful to, to read all of these books. Um, let's see the rest of the questions. Oh, my favorite character. It's, it's a tough one. It's a toss-up. Um, I have to say, let me not forget my fabulous co-author from, you know, from Oz, Australia, Jack Lister. He um, 
we talk about the stories. He does the drafting. I do the editing. We, you know, make it all up together. But he came up with the original character, Captain Wu, who is a 60-something grandmother who's, uh, can, can I use sort of bad words here? Does a lot oh, yeah. of ass kicking. Is that okay? I mean, this is not <laughs> broadcast TV, right? They're not going to blip us. Mike's like, doing? I can't participate if we put a limit yeah. on that. <laughs> okay. Mike's oh, very fragile. Out. So, so um, I know. <laughs> Uh, so she's a great character, and she's uh, she's the captain, of course. And people have compared it to uh, Firefly a bit. You know, one of these ragtag groups of uh, uh, smugglers that are going around the galaxy and having a a wonderful time um, doing heists, basically for the rich people. They don't kill people, or they try not to kill people. Um, they're in it for the money. And um, but it's a toss up between her, who's probably the main character, and her fabulous pilot, Rev, um, short for a long quote from Shakespeare that has to do with revels. And she's a quirky, mm, I'd say probably bisexual, but we aren't real explicit about it until the next trilogy. And she reads, um, let's see, um, old fashioned bodice rippers. So she's very, and she often pilots with her feet while she, so anyway, those two characters are, I mean, they're all interesting, but those are. have your hands free for something. I love it. Yeah, those sound great. <laughs> Thank you, Patrice. All right, let's jump over to Rob and then we'll go to J.D. Evans or Jen. Hi, uh, I'm, I'm Rob, Rob J. Hayes. Uh, I'm a British uh, fantasy and sci-fi author. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't have the crazy long introduction there. I'm, I'm never good at talking about myself, so that's I'll leave it. Oh, no, right, books. I did, I've wrote some books. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I've got some here. So I've been in Spiffbo many times. Uh, five now, I think. Um, I, uh, I was in the finalist with Never Die. Uh, and then, uh, I won it one time with Where Loyalties Lie. Wow. Uh, so, and uh, I'm also in this year's specific uh, SPF. <laughs> SPF. Adrian said SC. that we could say the F word. I'm just saying. Space fuck. Right. Uh, I'm in this year's space fuck. Um, that was what we decided we were going to call it beforehand uh, with uh, Titan Hoppers, which is uh, sort of a sci fi progression thing. Um, here we go. Uh, and my favourite character I've ever written, uh, I'll go with uh, Guang from Spirits of Vengeance, who's uh, an old poet who's constantly grumbling about his knees, because he was very fun, and I relate to that. <laughs> Come, coming from the runner. That's, that's sad yeah, that you're exactly. About knees, yeah. running, it's runner. not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rob. All right, Jen, and then Tom. All right. I am Jen. I go by J.D. Evans as an author. Um, I was the winner of SPFBO7 with this book, which um, is a fantasy romance and inexplicably won last year <laughs> against some really amazing authors. Um and that's what I write. I write epic fantasy romance. Rain and Ruins, the first book in a six-book series. Um, I'm working on book four right now. Um, it's set in uh, the Levant in an Ottoman-inspired empire. <clears throat> um, and uh, 
I'd say my favorite character is a secondary character in my second book, who's the brother of the main character, and he's the snarkiest character in all of the books and is just spends, I don't know, 130,000 words just <clears throat> being sarcastic, and I feel like everybody likes a character like that, so he's my favorite. Um, as far as about me, I was in the military for 10 years, and now I raised two crazy children <laughs> and uh that's that's it and i write so yeah i'm not good at talking about myself either rob there you go no, that's perfect that's perfect thank you jen all right yeah. over to tom and then and then fletcher all righty hi everybody i am tom or t.a bruno as i am on the paper uh, I wrote uh, the Song of Kamaria trilogy, uh, and this one, In the Orb of Sirens, was fifth place finalist in the first SBSFC, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was a really cool contest. I was really happy to be part of it. It's, it's pretty cool to be talking about it today. Um, as far as favorite character I've ever written... I have to say it's actually one of the major characters in the second book in this trilogy, uh, an Ochni named Larn, or he's an Ochnel, sorry. Uh, they are kind of bird alien people. And uh, just Larn was so fun to write because he's kind of a loner. He like didn't want to be part of everybody's stuff going on. So it's just kind of fun to connect with a guy that's just like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as me in real life, I work in the film industry. I uh, do previs and layout for DreamWorks, and uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of you know quirky character animation type stuff, and you know uh, doing previs kind of lined me up to tell stories. So uh, that's kind of just rolled into writing. <laughs> Uh, and awesome. last thing is I'm cool. uh, in the middle of editing another book called Down Below Beyond, and uh, hopefully that'll be out later this year, and I'm hoping to stick it in the next SPS FC. So that's nice. enough about Tom Brewer. Make it happen, man. Make it happen. <laughs> Love it. Thank well, you, Tom. Give it a try. <laughs> All right, Fletcher, you're up. Uh, hey, I'm Michael R. Fletcher. Uh, I've been in the SPFBO twice. Uh, I came second and fourth. Um, and I've got a book in this year's space fuck called ghosts of tomorrow. So I'll be talking to Patrice later about later about bribes and stuff. Um, and probably my favorite character would be the trio of reprobates from beyond redemption here behind me. Um, yeah, I don't exist outside of making book things do book stuff. So that's it. Love it. All right, and drinking whiskey, I believe, is your uh, no. That's pastime. a lie. I, I was typecast. <laughs> it was framed. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> awesome. Right, thank you, you Zach. You need to introduce yourself. Yeah, who the oh, fuck are you anyway? Hey, I'm yeah. Zach. I'm the moderator. Not on this panel. That's just your nickname. I'm the moderator. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was in SPFPO six. Uh, was a finalist, and I think I got fourth. And nice. uh, my favorite character I've written is actually one that I have recently written in my next upcoming series. It's this woman who is a luthier, so she creates, she's a like woodworker, makes stringed instruments, but she is also a potato sommelier. <laughs> which... Oh. <laughs> 
It's as bad as you think. <laughs> and I have really, really loved writing that. My writing group was like, I'm so sick about hearing about potatoes. And I was like, yep, too bad. <laughs> That's been fun. Ah. All right, let's jump into questions. So uh, first one I got is, uh, we have all been part of these competitions and you know done well in them. So how has being part of them affected your writing career? And I'm just going to open it up. Whoever would like to go first, feel free to feel free to jump in. Well, I think it was a real shot in the arm. Um, uh, Jack Lister and I, uh, with Captain Wu, uh, were sort of thrilled and happy. I mean, we thought it was a good book. <laughs> I continue to think it's a good book. But as it kind of advanced in the ranks and with, dare I say it, space fuck, um, <laughs> the um, the rungs, you know, you watch them as the scores go up. And so that was pretty cool. Like, okay, we didn't get booted out at the very beginning and we made it to the next one of the next semifinalist, et cetera. And, um, and then just thrilled. So that's encouragement. That means that not just, you know, your friends down the street or a couple of fans like your book, but um, the judges who are themselves usually both writers and reviewers and uh, pretty, uh, astute judges. So that the encouragement was what I found really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And just I, kind of bouncing off what Patrice said, it was uh, that rising in the ranks and everything that was addictive. <laughs> like you would, I'd go on Twitter, like in the beginning, I'm like, there's no way I'm making it past the first round. I'm just going to like screw this contest. <laughs> like it was almost spiteful. I'm like, they're not going to like my book. I yeah. don't even care. And then it, like they started liking the book and I'm like, okay, now, now I care a lot. <laughs> and I'll, I would check Twitter and like, just keep checking the hashtag SPFFC and everything. And then eventually I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool. I just never thought I had a shot at it. Uh, and it was just interesting to see, you know, all the, the reviews come in and everything of all these different reviewers and, and as Patrice said, they're also writers too, a lot of them. Um, so it was kind of like validating in a way uh, to see it kind of climb the ranks and everything. And you learn a lot about your own writing in the process. Like right. uh, for, I, I mentioned, I'm writing a new book and a lot of what I heard during this contest, I'm like factoring in as I write it. So it's actually like, you know, it was a, it was a learning process as well. It's just a rewarding one in general. So, and I, I'm a little apologetic for, being so angry at it at first. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't like, yeah, know, exactly. so you're all right. <laughs> I didn't know, yeah. So it was one of those, like, I was. I think I was angry at myself because I'm like, I'll do it, but I don't think it's going to work. It's stupid. Uh, but it worked. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. <laughs> and one of the best things about entering competitions like this is if you make the finals, there's a pretty good chance you can hook up with one of the judging teams uh and come back like in a future up? year uh, i mean like uh like 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 you with sbfc right. uh, i'm a guest judge with a fantasy book critic this year for the, the sbfbo and to get a chance to absolutely crush the shit out of young writers <laughs> dreams oh, it's worth every second all the pain that we went through going the competition the like the doubt now oh it's so good Delicious. <laughs> you're just you're just you're like firming them up. You're, you're making them like, look, this is oh, this is what you... your entire career is going to be like. Oh yeah. Smack. Oh yeah. <laughs> just are you ready for just rejection and failure? Because here's your next ten years. <laughs> All right. So now that Fletch has brought the dark, I'll come in with the sunshine. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I, I say this all the time, so I'm sure that people have heard it, but I think one of the best things that came out of it for me career wise and just in general were, um, when you get to the finalist and even into the semifinalist, um, there's, we bonded pretty hard. Um, we, you know, you're kind of going through this together and it was much more friendly and supportive and amazing than I suspected it would be. I thought it was going to be really cutthroat and, um, it was not like that at all. And, um, I, you know, I love all the people that I went through Spipo with and they're fantastic. And I, the community that I was part of, you know, I was kind of a lurker. And, um, if you do anything with Crystal, (laughs) Matar, you can't be a lurker anymore because she drags you into the indie community. So um, I'm there now. And uh, it's it's neat because you're it's not just about how many books did you sell, but like you you get um, within the indie community itself within authors and editors and just writing friends. And um, that's also incredibly valuable, I think, um, in this in this case. I would, I would echo that I when I was. Uh... In the in the finals with, with Never Die, the uh, the group of sort of like finalists that I I met there with uh, Virginia and and Miracle and Alicia and all the others they were it was it was a very useful group to have partly for when we were all surviving the finals of the competition which can be brutal when you sort of like sat there and a, a new review comes in and you're just like I need someone to t- talk to about because they gave me four stars. Um, <laughs> So it's always always nice to have people to go and complain to, but also just you know, sort of like moving forward, you sort of it, it's it's a group of friends that you can just go back to time and time again, and they've been through everything, they go through everything all over the place with you, so they know what it's all like, uh, and and they're there to support you. But the other thing is just the sort of like the the contacts of the bloggers that you can meet as well, because through doing these competitions, your book is getting read by, if you get to the finals, say your, your book's getting read by at least 10 different blogs. Um, and, you know, if, if they've liked, if they like your book, then they'll be more um, likely to sort of like read your next book or whatever as well. So um, it's been quite useful in that sense in that, you know, the the books that I've released further down the line, I've been able to say, look, hey, you you liked my other book, please have a review copy of this one, read and review this one as well, um, which is always a good way to try and get your more eyes on your book, basically, via the bloggers. I'm sorry, I just saw the comment about Crystal writing a grim dark My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, a lot of this is like, I, I'm trying to like for you guys to answer questions, but I, my experience was the exact same. Like, we still have our little Discord group with our finalists from 2020. And mm-hmm. we still complain to each other about things. We still get to hear, you know, exciting news early. Like we had two of the people that were finalists in our group who were picked up, their series were picked up by traditional publishers. And we got wow. to like you know hear about that a little bit early, which was kind of fun. So, yeah, the relationships have definitely, at least for me, been like the biggest part. And uh, I have the the next question on my list was, is it worth the pain? <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is yes. yes. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if there's <laughs> any other thoughts. I, feel well, like, the, I guess the the, this group shoots, is probably, yeah. Yeah, the bamboo shoots <laughs> under the fingernails. That that was the tough part for me, but the, the uh, reviews were okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about getting those reviews and how those are helpful. And honestly, um, most the writers are collegial. The um, judges certainly are. So nobody's going to be very harsh. They're all trying to, you know, boost you up and help you. So I don't think there's any pain, especially, I mean, the, the people we're talking to here did pretty well. They didn't necessarily get the bottom <laughs> scores, or if they did, they didn't know. They just didn't uh, advance. Um, so we, uh, <laughs> no, I don't mean you, you all, I mean the people, Never mind. We'll, we'll let that one go. The, um, so it wasn't painful for those of us who had, uh, you know, ended up kind of higher in the ranks. I think too, like one of the things that was really, I knew this kind of like surface level going in, but one of the things that was cemented for me was the subjectivity of reviews you know you'd get one person um that was like this is gross and i hate it and then the next person would be like this is exactly what i want it's the best thing i've ever read and uh there was no telling who was going to say that or why or what was going to resonate with them or what was going to send them you know um vomiting into a bucket if you will but you know it was um it it really for me it was painful. It was. I entered a romance book into a fantasy competition. I did not expect that it was going to be <laughs> a lot of fun, but um, it uh, it it was worth it because I think like my skin got thicker just from understanding that it's not about you at all. It's about you know what that person wanted when they opened your book and if they got it or not. And that was that was a pretty valuable lesson, I think, that was worth the pain. I think the number of benefits that you can get from entering a competition like this or a contest like this automatically make it worth the pain, to be honest, because it's like the pain that you, you're going to get, maybe you'll get a bad review and, yeah, that can knock you down for a while, but the, the number of benefits you can get from various different aspects of it across the board just make it absolutely worth it. Agreed. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with that and say, or and ask, how does the competition correlate to general success of a book? It doesn't. <laughs> uh, I see. I, I I don't know. So Blackstone Heart, which came second, um, was already sort of selling well. Um, before the competition, but uh, like twenty summer twenty twenty one, I quit my day job, and now I was able to time the release of book two with the end of the competition that Blackstone Heart was in, and that worked really well. Um, would it all have happened anyway? I don't know, but it seemed like to me like the competition uh, had a a, f a fairly huge impact on 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 sales. And year over year, it probably improves, right? Just because mm -hmm. there's more people who are aware of the competition every year. And so the further along it gets, the more of a audience there is. Yeah, I probably don't know. I think if, it's... Um, uh, go ahead, Jen. Oh, I, um, so it's interesting. I was going to bring this up. I don't know if this is the right question to bring it up on, but 
one of the things that is interesting about it is that like you know it it had this reputation in the beginning of being kind of grimdark epic leaning and so i think if you put a book in that matched that you were matching the judges you were matching primarily the people watching the competition then it could definitely have an impact on your sales and your visibility if you had a book say that was a bit of an outlier like i like rain and ruin is um I think it can impact you and it can appeal to a wider audience, but it could also have the opposite effect. Like your book may get in front of people that aren't going to love it because it's not really their style. And I mean, I didn't experience that, but it is an interesting thought process because there is a lot of like just luck and timing involved in who moves forward in the competition. Um, because just of you know what whatever is the judges change and what they want changes or you know what books are in that year against what other books and um so you may go forward and end up in front of a bunch of people that are like huh this is not the kind of book I want to read you know but is it interesting um thing to think about as well that way what kind of contest are you entering and is it the correct audience for your for your book yeah, we had, um, it's only the second year now. First, last year was the first year for Spacebuck. And uh, can't say that without blushing. And um, <laughs> so we didn't, a, a lot of people didn't even know what it was. You know, it was uh, explained, but it's really just in its infancy. And I would say that it certainly helped our book and the whole trilogy. But um, things have calmed down a little bit since since the end of the contest. You know, when you're, in the thick of it and people are watching the scores and people are um, uh, tweeting out or putting um, the reviews on their blogs, et cetera, you get a lot of attention and then it sort of calms down. So Tom, I wonder what your experience was because you were in the first one as well, weren't you? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah, it, for sure. Uh, I definitely got like, you know, it, I noticed um, that uh, kind of every time it, in the orbit of sirens went up in the rings i did get a boost in sales which was pretty cool um it just meant that you know the contest was getting around and enough people were seeing it uh, and it was generating interest for everybody's books and i'll even admit i've i've been slowly going through all the uh, uh a lot of the books in that first contest too um i when i'm writing i, I read a lot slower because i don't want to like a my reading enjoyment with like thinking about writing a book uh but yeah i've been going i read like gm nair's uh duck and dire dicks for hire uh which was also one of our you know like top finalists and everything it was amazing it was fantastic and uh, i'm just trying to go through i'm, I'm gonna go through uh captain Wu as well and uh Thanks. all the other ones too <laughs> uh but like yeah it's like it, it yeah definitely did help a lot that way um as far as just getting exposure and stuff like that uh, so yeah, overall, just positive experience, I would say. And then there's the flip side too, right? We're like, with just, I think competitions in general, uh, really like book competitions, I think like the Hugos and Nebula and stuff, the books that win those are not always the ones that are selling the most. And I think SPFBO and SPSFC are the exact same. There are books that are selling a hundred times more than my books are selling that didn't even make it past the first round. And the general readership, you know, they have opinions and they have things that they want to read. And those are often things that just don't do as well in competitions, maybe because they're, you know, generic tropes that people want to read about, but maybe aren't, don't feel as novel or anything like that in a, in a competition setting. 
I think that's kind of interesting as well. It's a it's a complicated calculus as to why things sell because it can be the cover, it can be the author and other things they've written, it can be the genre, it can be the specific tropes, it can be contests, it can be the price, you know, so many things. So it's hard to say how a particular contest would necessarily affect the, the actual sales. Rob's like progression fantasy is nice. <laughs> Apparently it sells quite well, so I figured I'd give it a go. Um <laughs> I don't know. The, the way I, I look at the question is like, um, so I, I, I won the, the Spiffbo with Where Loyalties Lie, and that book has never sold particularly well. Um, you know, it was, I, I thought it would. It was Grim Dark Pirates. Why wouldn't that sell? Apparently, it's just never really sold that well. So, um, whereas I, uh, I was in the, the finals with Never Die, and that book has sold easily 10 times better than Where Loyalties Lie ever did uh and then um last year i think it was i entered along the razor's edge and that book went out in the didn't even make like the i think they were doing quarters at that point you know it, it went out on like the, the slush pile read and that book has sold more than pretty much all my other books combined um wow so while while yeah if, if your book does well in the competition you're likely to get a boost at every stage of the way it's it's not like any of those boosts are going to be like, oh yeah, this is the one that's going to sort of like, you know, make a big splash. There's, it's doing well in the competition isn't like a, a magic bullet to success. Um, but I suppose it could be sort of like a few grains of uh, gunpowder in the the magic bullet. It can it can help. But there's, there's a whole bunch of things that, that will get that bullet speeding out the gun. I just fucked that metaphor completely, didn't I? was going to say that's really interesting. <laughs> it was so grains of... <laughs> Um, gunpowder in your bullet. <laughs> okay, I, I, you know, <laughs> I think it. it I tried. I failed. <laughs> yeah, with what people were I saying. For the, how cool. does it affect your career? Oh, go for it, Tom. Oh, I was just going to say what is kind of cool from what you're saying. It sounds like uh, although the one that won isn't the one that's selling the most, it may have helped bring in some people to you as a writer. And just kind of like, oh, you know, maybe this one's not my jam, but that looks awesome, you know? So, I mean, that's pretty cool. I don't know if the, the contest is sort of way for that, but it might sure can help. It, it, it will certainly have helped. I mean, every step of the way, you sort yeah. of, um, the more visibility you get, the more people who are reading your books, the more likely you are to be picking up readers, some of which won't continue, some of which will stick with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after entering Spiffbo five times now, um, luckily I've—I guess I've picked up quite a few uh, readers along the way, um, so it's all all helped out in that way. So yeah, the, the, there is a sort of like there probably is a bit of a correlation, but it's—it's it's not like oh, this book's done well, it's go—that's it's going to sell really well. Um, it's just mm -hmm. yeah, it might have done well. It's, it's the difference between critical success and commercial success in many ways. That's probably why everyone in the group, when they were talking about how it's affected their writing career, everyone was like, I made lots of great relationships with other authors and with bloggers. <laughs> Nobody said it made me a lot of money. Right? Five bucks, we, ten bucks. You, you needed know. to get uh, Josiah on here. He, he's the one that would be sat there going, yes, yes, this competition did very well for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, interesting. I'll have to chat with him. <laughs> All right, so I have another question down on here that actually uh, Bo Kelly asked the exact same thing in chat. So we'll move on to that one, which is 
what would you change if you could change anything about the competitions? Oh, I, I know an they're, they're I both slightly answer. different. So yeah, maybe we'll start <laughs> off with uh, SPSFC. We'll go Patrice then Tom. Okay. I, um, I, maybe, and maybe if this exists, I don't know about it. Certainly those reviews, which are very uh, informative for the authors and helpful in getting a little uh, publicity for your book, um, go up on various blogs. Whoops, I just lost one ear here. I can, I can still hear you. Um, but I don't see a place where um, the contest itself has a, a website or a presence to promote those. And that would be a great place where they were all aggregated and people could read them and uh, read the reviews and decide, you know, whether or not that's a book for them. And it would um, last, you know, people could go there even when the contest is over and some of the, on the individual blogs, the reviews might roll up the screen, you know, and you wouldn't see them because they're from a year ago or whatever. So that would be my suggestion. Yeah, funnily enough, Spiffbo does kind of have that with, um... It's it's all hosted yeah. on Mark Lawrence's site, but yeah, he has you know the the Spiff Rose throughout the previous years, um, and you can see all the all the all the entries, all the finalists, all the the winners and and the scores they had and everything, which is really useful. Mm-hmm. I, I did notice that about the uh, the space buckets, um, that there doesn't seem to be a hub that you can go to to learn about it really. Um, so I, I, I honestly have no idea how my book is doing it in the contest at the moment because I'm just like, how do I find out? I don't even know which group it's in. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, a, that's a, a great idea, honestly. Like, yeah, because the, the one thing I agree, I, I I liked seeing the reviews trickle in, but I, I may have even missed a few. I, like, I don't know if one just slipped by me or anything like that. So it would have been awesome to just be able to, like, click my book or whatever, see what ones. And then for potential readers, I could even point them to that. Uh, and I guess overall, what could be great to, for SPSFC going forward is to just keep copying SFBO. Right. <laughs> keep like, Cause they get, they get, it seems like you guys have it a lot. It's, you know, we're no, new with the SPSFC. So we're still figuring it out and everything, but you know, you know Zach, you showed that coin earlier. I'm like, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, right. These are these are brand new. You know, though. just little things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Ways to kind of like promote the contest. Year, yeah. 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 That's and super cool. Yeah. They don't look expensive, so we could probably afford them. <laughs> of course, all of this is more uh, administrative time, and I'm not personally right. volunteering to do it, but maybe Tom is. Tom, would you like to be in charge? <laughs> <I'm right>. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting, your comment about that is when SPSFC was first starting, Somebody reached out to me, and I don't remember who it was, because I, I do a website for SPFBO mm-hmm. that has all of the book, all 300 books that are entered. It's got like their covers, and then they, mm-hmm. get, they get like blacked out a little bit once they get eliminated from the competition, and they get like a little thing when they become Just a, a little finalist shade. and then a finalist. Very fancy. And oh, that's cool. Somebody reached out to me and was like, can you share the code for that so that I can use it for SPSFC? But unfortunately, like the way that I do it, doesn't, there's not like code I can share. And they were like, oh, dang it. Be You're like, nice. no, it's crayon, man. <laughs> yeah, but Zach, you could do it for Spacefuck, too. They'd, I sure could, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I've already taken on too many things. That's kind of where we're at. It's yeah. like, oh, we should do these, and then it's like, who's gonna do it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody else. That's interesting, though. All right, uh, let's jump over to SPFBO. Jen, Rob, and Michael, any thoughts? What, what would you change if you could change? Anything. 
Actually, I, I don't I, know. if I can drag it back to a SP, uh, ah, fuck, space fuck again. I, <laughs> I can't do that acronym. Um, what Spiffbo seems to have that, at least from my perception, and maybe I'm too far outside of it, I don't know. Um, Spiffbo's got more of a community sort of actually mm-hmm. working around it. Um, and I know Hugh Howie is sort of like um, uh, a supporter or sort of host of uh space fuck but i i you know he doesn't seem to be like actively involved uh or if he is i'm just missing it that's totally possible um but um like mark lawrence actually you know is a he's the glue yo there's he's a he's providing a bit of a binding agent um and uh you know a central place to sort of bring everything together uh you know there's the facebook groups uh a group around it um that's you know fairly active um that that sense of community uh i'd love to see a uh, space fuck get some of that it would be very cool well and even like the continuity across the years i think is pretty cool in, in spiffbo mm-hmm. right we're like there's every year uh ml wong puts together like a big sale for all of the previous finalists and so now we've got like eight years of finalists who all put their books up for like 99 cents or free every wow. year for you know of week or two i can't remember how long it is but it's pretty cool yeah there's like this definitely a community built all right spiffbo i don't know rob jen what you, what you think i think a lot of <laughs> jen's like i want like... i don't know it's fine no <laughs> it's no. Perfect. no it's not that it's not perfect i think everybody knows it's not perfect but i'm i think just by the nature of what it is it can never be perfect because they're like i said earlier there's a lot of subjectivity in reviewing, you know? And so it's very difficult to compare, like just in our year, um, Mike and Clayton had the world's darkest book. (laughs) Um, And then you had um, my book that was a fantasy romance. Like how do the judges compare those two against each other? It's very difficult. And so, no, I I do not have any suggestions. It should have been based on body count. Yeah, well, I mean, yes. Okay, fair enough. Which which there kind of body count are we talking about, book? Michael? I know what kind. There of- were Michael. They just weren't really. Oh. Oh. Damn it. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> you know, it. I mean, you've got. I, they do try to refine the judging process and everything. I think a little bit each year, but um, I don't know. I I think they're doing a pretty good job, and I I cannot from the outside be like this needs to be fixed. You know. I guess it's tainted from somebody that won. It sounds very (laughs) self-serving, but in truth, I was really impressed with the contest because I very much expected to get um, handed my ass, and um, that you know everybody was really professional and uh, lots of people. My book was not to their taste, and they were kind about it. You know, they were very professional, so yeah, they do a good job. Nice. I mean, from from the outside, I I do kind of feel like the the maybe maybe something that needs to be changed on the judges' end, but that's it's it's just from the outside because you look at the 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 turnaround of judges, and quite often you you hear people saying like, oh, "I'm I'm burnt out from yeah. judging Swiftbo," and, and I don't like, know how they do it. No, I mean they're they're reading what is it at least uh, thirty nine books, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, a, a year for it which which is a lot um 
<laughs> in any stretch of it, it's it's a lot. So I, I do wonder if like there might be a better way to structure the the judging to stop judges from getting burnt out like that. But again, it's on the outside. I don't know what's going on for the judges. I I I did a, a guest judge for one year and I had five books to read and that was a lot for me. So <laughs> I'm a slow reader. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there, I, there's oh go sorry, on, go ahead. Okay. Uh, sorry. I had one no damn it. It's you. It's you. Okay. Yeah. I, I had one sort of mechanical suggestion for for both competitions. Uh I'd love to see uh it set basically in stone. Uh, that the book uh, one a judge puts forward to the finals gets an eight. And then after that, you're reading everything based on that score. Uh, because I've seen there was one year where somebody, um, the book they put forward, they gave it a 10. Now, if you haven't read the other books yet, you, you have you've effectively said, nothing can be better than this. Aww. You're just like, yeah, but you haven't read them yet. So what if you read something else and you're like, oh shit, this is this is leagues better than that ten. So I, I would say you put the book you put forward is an eight, and then everything else you read you are comparing to your finalist. I like that. As long as yeah. you're right, as long as you're consistent within your own bracket mm -hmm. as a judge, then it then it should work out. So yeah. I so that's the way it works with Spiffbo that they that the a team or a judge chooses one book from their group it, it, which sounds it's different the way we do it in space Buck. it's um all numbers at the beginning there's a yes no and then there it's numbers at least in my on my team it's there's nothing where we say i mean we might give something a 10 but that's for that rung of the judging and then we compare it with other things you might give something a five and it still goes forward i mean that isn't likely but because other people on the team gave it a higher score. So it's it sounds like it's a little bit of a different mechanism. I think mm -hmm. they average the scores if it's a multi-person team and then they they put forward their highest scoring book. Yeah. Um, uh, that's definitely so, what we do, but but I don't think yeah. there are any individual judges. So, but I I can see how it would work if you just have one person who's, you know, the judge for that whatever. You're not calling it a team now, whatever they call it. One thing I would love to see, and I know this is like, this can be hard, is like within a judging group, I would love to see all of the finalist scores come from the same people. Yeah. And I think that's like a consistency thing, right? Where like, there are several judges who are like, like judging groups where an individual will judge one book, a different individual will judge another book. And these are the finalists. And so the scores are subjective to the individuals, but it's not the same individual, even within the same blog. Hmm. And I think yeah. that can be really tricky for, I mean, just for a lot of reasons. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see kind of some cons consistency across like a single. I thought the, the way the blogs of teams did it was in the sort of like the, the early stages, a, a book might, that they might have like five different judges who were reading six different books each and put them on forwards. But uh, I, th I thought they all did the thing where when it gets to the finals, they all read all the books. I might, I might be wrong about that. I like, yeah, I, I think, think that's great. Do. But not okay. all of them do. Um, yeah. Yep. Any other thoughts on, on what could be improved? 
<laughs> no. All right. Now I should win all the contests. You know, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, whatever makes that me win. <laughs> I want a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah. Just right? give me one. <laughs> oh, I, I did write down. How do you think cash prizes would affect the competitions? Or would it? Poorly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, don't know. I feel like whenever you bring cash prizes in, yeah. you start, you're attracting a different group of people. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that like yes, you do. Um, okay, <laughs> fine, I do. I'm very judgmental. Um, no, I just mean that like when you bring cash prizes into it, people may um, be submitting books. That, I mean, they already do a little bit, but I feel like you might get um, a bit more of the brand new person that you know, needs the funds and is not ready. They're not ready for that kind of competition. You know what I mean? But the money is really appealing. Whereas when it's a prestige thing, you can step back and think, okay, is my book ready for this? And, you know, some people, I, I don't know. That's that's my thought on it. I, I just don't know that it would um, affect it in a positive way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. Wouldn't you have to then charge to make that money unless somebody's going to underwrite it? So everybody has yeah. to now to get in 30 or 50 or $100 or whatever. Yeah. And then well, Mark, Mark Lawrence will pay for it. It's fine. He makes okay, fine. He said it was cool. I mean, if Mark funds it, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you're sort of, you know, sucking the money out of the, sorry, did that noise come out? Out of the, uh, the hands of the, the, hardworking authors that, you know, need to make money rather than giving away money. I think awesome. it, like, as most of us have said it at one point or another, it's like one of the best things that we've got, at least out of Spiffbo is the community. Um, and it's the friends that you, you make along the way, uh, which sounds corny as hell, but it, it Did is. Did you just make that up? That's brilliant. I know. Amazing. <laughs> uh, no, but like, it, it is true. Like we, we've all said, it's like, it's the you know the groups that group of friends especially in the finalists that we've made have been very close-knit and i think if you start introducing cash prizes um it can change the dynamic because there's a lot more sort of um drive i guess to win whereas at the moment the the reward is kind of nebula nebulous okay you 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 won well done you get in the spiffbo you get a wand uh and but it that doesn't necessarily equate to your book being better than the next person's or being you know going on to be more successful or anything like that um the moment you start introducing a cash prize it's like well there's a bit more sort of like uh, oh i want to win i need the cash rather than you know yeah anything else yeah, and i'm not much... saying that everybody would feel that way but it might contribute to a sort of lessening of the community aspect how much could it be? I mean, if, if it's 500 bucks, that's fantastic. But unless it's a million, it's not going to really change everybody's life. So, well, yeah. I mean, not that I have so many $500 laying around, but I'd like a million. <laughs> that would be good. I have an, an, an unimportant question for Rob. Why does your background keep getting bigger and smaller as you move? Is there something special about? I don't know. Does it? <laughs> there, oh. you just did it. Oh, I think I've got. Oh, it's autofocus or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. I thought you were just oh, thanks for pointing out the trees. Now I'm not going to be able to stop seeing it. It's in one of those breathing houses. Uh, does anybody get motion sickness? Because uh, let's do this. I think you have to do it more slowly. Oh, I don't know. Oh, never mind. Don't even go there. 
<laughs> All right. Next question. I want to I want to hear what books that you have found through the competitions that have become favorites of yourself. Uh, I kind of mentioned mine earlier, so I, I don't mind going first really quick. But yeah, Duckin and Dyer, Dicks for Hire. I, I love that book. It was so good. It was it's out of my normal wheelhouse too. Uh, I read it because I had met uh, Jim there. The I wrote it and everything when we did a different panel uh, for SSFC. Uh, and he was just so funny. And on Twitter, he's just such a funny dude that, like, I'm like, I want to read his book just because I think he's going to entertain me in a way, you know, that I'm not normally, you know, usually I'm just reading, you know, high fantasy or sci fi or something like that. So this was like more of a, like, a, it was a sci-fi for sure, but it was like an urban sci-fi where you're in like the real world and there's portals and dimensions and stuff. But it was fantastic and I loved it. And uh, yeah, got that through SBSFC, the first one. And I want to do more of them too. So I'm kind of just slowly cruising through. Love it. It's a great one. Hmm. Anybody else have any favorites? Um, this is fairly cliched, but ML Wong's <laughs> books. And then um, I, uh, Barbara Kloss, um is a new favorite of mine and then um i discovered trudy skies this year because of spiffbo and um j.e hannaford um so those are all new favorites for me nice love it yeah so each each year i i buy all of the uh finalists in paperback because that's uh the format i'm comfortable with um and there's so many different books uh, and such like wildly different styles, but they've I've genuinely enjoyed all of them. Uh, and this year, actually, uh, reading for a fantasy book critic uh, as a guest judge. Um, so I hate cozy fantasy. I have no fucking place for it. I'm like, <laughs> ah, it's disgusting. And then I read Quen's um, The Care and Feeding <laughs> of British Dragons. And it is hands down the best book I've read this year. Uh, so I like cozy fantasy. Are we talking about 2023? <laughs> yeah, the, this year. No, sorry, 2022. <laughs> I read it last year. I read it last year. I yeah, read it at the end future. of 2020. Quinn will so win you over. Good. She will. Uh, I think it's time for Fletcher to write a cozy fantasy. It probably right? is. Aww. Yes. Well, Crystal's trying to coin cozy crim cozy grimdark. <laughs> Sorry, Crystal, I butchered that. But so I think Fletch should just get on board. That's funny. I mean, I want I want Crystal to co-write with me. There, yeah. yeah. Michael, can you just write like a cozy book? It's a husband and a wife, but the husband's dead and the wife is a necromancer. <laughs> and it's just oh, I can totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> just having a good wow. time. Wow. <laughs> Sounds sweet. Well, um, I I should say that I'm reading, of course, books this year that I, I really probably shouldn't talk about favorites. I have a couple, but um, because we're still in the middle of the competition, uh, some of which I'm really enjoying. And one of the things that it's made me think about is, um, you know, what's science fiction? Because uh, one of them that I like a whole lot, and this will, you know, hopefully they'll make it farther in the contest and I can say what they were or say what this particular book was. Um, it's, uh, it's a little space punky. I mean, steampunky and it's uh, space punk. Is that a thing yet? 
Um, and it's a little bit of time travel. So I suppose it's SF enough, but most of the book you wouldn't, certainly is not classic science fiction. And um, so that was one of the issues that has sort of come up for us, but we're, we're withholding judgment. We're not gonna say it can't get a good score because it's not science fiction. If, there, if it's in the competition and we accepted it, then you know that's not gonna count against it. And I enjoy that. I also enjoyed, of course, Tom Bruno's book last year. Well, and um, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Tom's like liar. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, no, it wasn't very good at all. No, it was great. And, <laughs> it um, just fifth place material. <laughs> and as I mentioned, well, that's pretty good considering you know um, the uh, and I also like the first place winner, Iron Truth. Um, and yeah, I got that's that on a, my shelf over there. Yeah, there's um, I think it's a trilogy, and the first one is a big long mm-hmm. book, but very good. So. That's those are the ones I particularly noticed. That's awesome. Also, Michael, you have to write that book now because mm. Crystal just came up with the perfect tagline. I don't know if you guys yeah, saw, that. saw that. Putting the oh, romance in necromancy. Oh, <laughs> that's great. It's too good. It's of too course. Good. Oh man, Rob, any any favorite books from the competitions? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've been. I've read loads, um, but I feel like I have to bring up like Senlin Ascends. Uh, I know it's uh, it, it's sort of like you got picked up and went trad, um, but I, I absolutely love that book. Um, and all of the sequels that I've read, I still haven't read the final one yet, but there we go. Um, but I just thought those it's it's absolutely beautiful. The, the prose is, is absolutely gorgeous. I love that book. Um, and then yeah, uh, Sword of Kagan. Um, I actually read that before uh, the the Spiffbo that year, and then I, I heard that she was entering into Spiffbo, and I was like, "Yeah, well, I'll enter my book, but what's the point? Miracles already won, and lo and behold, she did." So, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, last year I I, I actually read uh, Trudy Trudy Sky's book as well, Thirteenth Hour, and I really enjoyed that one. I haven't got the sequel yet, but I'm planning to pretty soon. So, yeah. Perfect. For me, myself, uh, yeah, I've, I've read quite a few of them. Really enjoyed pretty much all of them that I've read. I really had a lot of fun reading the Combat Codes trilogy. I thought those books were just like nice and fast paced and just fun. Just people fighting people. And that's how they like the government works. They just put two people to fight each other to, to make decisions. And it's just like, it's pretty absurd. There's also like Final Fantasy inspiration in the books later on. And I had a lot of fun with those ones. So. I'll say that so I don't say sort of Kagan again. <laughs> uh, all right. So for people who were not there in our little uh, pre-session where we got to chat before the, the live started, I thought that this was an hour long, and I'm going to keep it close to an hour long because that's how I roll. And so we're going to move into the conclusion section. And as part of that, I would love to hear from each of you about what we can expect from each of you in 2023 or what can we, what can we look forward to coming out from each of you? And I'm going to go in reverse order this time. So we're going to start with Fletcher and jump over to Tom. Okay. Um, so 2023 is going to be a busy year. Uh, the storm beneath the world, which is the first book in a strange insect based fantasy series that takes place uh they live on the backs of floating sentient islands in the upper atmosphere of a gas giant so it all makes sense right so that book will be out 
uh sin and sorrow which is the last book of the city of sacrifice series uh will be out and end uh a war to end all which is the last book in the manifest illusion series will also drop this year and i actually have time uh because those are two of those are written and the third one is almost finished i have time to write a fourth book and release it and i might do it or i might stall it until next year so i you know you know drag things out but it's got there's a lot of shit going this year dang impressive man love it i've been busy whoa my kids are loud <laughs> all right let's jump over to tom and then go to jen uh so uh i am in the middle of editing the first draft of a book i hope to release this year probably like middle of the year uh called down below beyond it is a uh, whatchamacallit, it's a standalone book, uh, but it does, it exists within the same universe that's in the Song of Kamaria, uh, but it, you don't need to read that trilogy at all to get this book, uh, and it's a sci-fi about a guy named Lavort Atra, who is a prospector on an abandoned world called Teox, and one day he finds a mysterious spaceship in this rubble, uh, and he stakes a claim to it, but little does he know, he just put a big target on his back. Um, so it's got lots of aliens, lots of different stuff than, uh, the song of Kamari had. So it's pretty been super fun to write. And I like editing it because now that I know it has a start and an ending, I like to like make it better <laughs> everything. Cause when you're writing that first draft, it just kind of feels like, Oh God, is it even going to end? It doesn't have an ending, but it did. And it's good. Uh, but yeah, so there's that. And, uh, honestly, that's probably it for me this year, as far as publications go, I'll probably just be reading all your books. <laughs> so, he sounds threatening when he says that. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm going, going to, to read, read your, your books. books. <laughs> and you will get Prepare two Prepare yourselves. <laughs> I'm like the nicest reviewer. By the way. <laughs> I find the good in like every book I read. I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like, I'm very easy to like vibe switch as I'm reading. So, uh, But yeah, no, I'm excited to just see what, I'm excited to see more of uh, the SPSFC 2. Uh, and I might go shopping as I see some books pop up. I've been reading, actually, I see a lot of the, the people in the chat. I've been reading a lot of their reviews as they come out uh, for the, the things. It's been super cool to see people that I've been friends with before join the SPSFC. And I'm like really interested to see how they're doing reviewing and stuff. So it's been really cool. Uh, but yeah, other than that, that's, that's kind of my, my year. <laughs> Love it. And that book sounds awesome, man. All right, oh, Jen, yeah. and then Rob. All right. So um, I, I said at the beginning here, I'm working on my fourth book. It's been a while. <laughs> Life kind of burned us out for a bit. So I absolutely want to get this fourth book out this year. And one book is, is I tend to overestimate how much I can do in any given amount of time. Um, you'd think I would have learned by now, but I haven't. So I'm going with one book this year and it's called Ice and Ivy and it's number four in my series. Love it. Make it happen. Yeah. People are waiting, so no pressure. They, a few. A few are. <laughs> a lot of few. Okay. <laughs> All right, Rob. And then Patrice. Uh, I'm 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 taking it a little bit easier this year. I'm I'm taking my time to uh to to write a big chunky epic fantasy called Age of the God Eater. Um but that's going to be coming out next year. So for this year, I'm actually only releasing one book which 
may sound like oh you're still releasing a, a book but yeah i i've been releasing like two or three for the past few years but i'm trying to slow down so this year i am releasing uh spire climbers which is book two of titan hoppers which is my book that's in space hawk this year um i don't know when that'll be coming out but it's this year at some point um it's 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 all written already so i'm just sort of like waiting to get the edits back and then i'll get that sorted and then yeah that's that's it i'm taking a nice casual year where i just sit and write things instead of constantly worrying about oh god i've got another book coming out <laughs> love it thanks rob and uh good luck with that uh chunky beast you're working on excited to learn more <laughs> thank about you that. All right, Patrice, what you got coming up? Well, I want to say one more thing about uh, the competition. I didn't, this wasn't really a question, but I did want to say as a judge this year in SBSFC, it's, um, it's hard to judge because there are so many good books. And um, it, it, of course, it takes a while to read them, but, um, and so many different points of view, and we all have our preferences. You know, maybe I'm more of a, less of a mechanical type or less of a pew pew person or whatever. And I like the, the funny ones better or whatever, but uh, you have to keep an open mind. So it's great. And so this is a commercial for people being judges or parts of teams of judges next year Do that because we need more readers and um, it's lots of fun. It's really exciting to see them. So as for me, Jack Lister down in Oz, whom I've never met by the way, but I feel like I know him well by now. I've seen his face on the screen. We have already put together the second trilogy, the Rev trilogy in the Starship Nameless trilogy series, world, universe. And, um, but it's being edited and we're getting covers and doing all that stuff that comes with being a self-published author. And at least the first two of those should come out in 2023, maybe all three of them, because they're ready. And an advantage to doing them all together like that is, um, you know, if you change your mind about something or you say, darn, I should have dropped this hint in. You all know what that's like. You can, you haven't put it out there yet. So you can say, oh, I have to ha have this person show up in scene, you know, 22 in the first book because he's going to come around in book number three and there's going to be a big payoff. So, and some people, you know, do that automatically. And sometimes you think of it after the fact and say, it would be better if we do it this way. So we're working on the next trilogy, the Rev trilogy. So I, if you were serious about singing when you're done, I would like to sing the panel off. Not the we same song. That. Jen, Jen will feel really embarrassed, but you can do it. We Why will Jen happen. be embarrassed? She doesn't I don't know, know just about her music. face right there. <laughs> so are we done? Should I? Jen, Jen your mic is here. Well, okay, surely Zach needs to tell us about uh, what he's got going on this year as well. Oh, yeah. Potato right, Farmers, right. wasn't yes. it? What? Was it, was it Potato Farmers that, you, that you're writing about oh, this year? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm actually probably not going to be publishing that this year. That'll be next year. I'm taking a, a slow one on this uh, next book, but I'm starting a new series. The series is called uh, Symphony in the Skies, and the first book will be called The Fall of Cloud Seven. There's going to be floating islands. There will be a potato sommelier. And uh, there's going to be uh, lots of good stuff. So it's going to be about three, three married couples saving the world. A 60-year-old couple, a 40-year-old couple, and a 20-year-old couple. So it should be fun working on nice. that. Um, all right. 
I think that's it. So we will sign off by saying, of course, thank you to, again, FanFi Addict and Adrian and Sean for helping organize this stuff and taking care of us during the panel. Uh, TBRCon in general, I mean, I got to participate last year as well. It's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys put this together and do all of this work to make it happen. Thank you to everybody who came and showed up in the comments. Uh, being here with us live really like brings some energy to us. It's not, it's not like a, a super fun time when you're like doing a live and there's like two people watching. So thank you to everybody who showed up. <laughs> And to everybody on YouTube, thank you as well. And with that, we will sign off with, I guess, Patrice singing us into oblivion. <laughs> Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Sean's like, when do I, when do I, let I me know. see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, please be true. I'm tempted to say therapy. <laughs> that's mostly a joke answer, but honestly, like that's how I, I think a lot of people even figure out. Like, I feel like usually people, I don't, I don't, I might stereotype a little bit, but usually if someone is like uh, exploring neurodiversity in fiction, um, at least in my experience, people I know who who have started doing that are usually doing it as a type of self exploration because they don't know what they've got going on, and usually, usually, like, um, you can usually really figure if you can figure out how your own sort of brain is working and everything, and the ver the various ways you work and don't work. I think it makes it a lot easier to um put different spins on it like how what kind of a person would i be if uh i if i if i was like two percent different or this factor of my life had changed um and it can that can really help create um like spin things out spin things out from there and create completely different kinds of characters not to say you should only have like self-inserts or something like that but um it like figuring out just how how a brain can work and just sort of um provide a decent sort of jumping off point it doesn't need to be therapy specifically but just the the ability to figure that out i think is invaluable that's a very interesting point two thoughts i had from that one is you know expanding on ada's uh recommendation of social media often one of the most informative sub spheres within that can be the comments about a work of fiction or a film that depicts neuroatypicalness that are made by neuroatypical people who will talk in their reviews or in their you know tweets about it about ways that it didn't seem right to them and ways that it did seem right to them stereotypes that they thought that were bad that were perpetuated moments when they thought it was good about a stereotype which are great ways to know sort of where the community is at in terms of what people are calling for more of and what people are calling for less of so that you can enter that conversation and say, okay, I can be a constructive contributor to this by depicting this thing that people are saying they really want. Or, ooh, I was going to do that thing, which everyone is saying they don't like. I see why don't, they don't like it. And I also see how I can change my story and make it better if instead of that I do a slightly different thing, which inevitably will, in fact, make your story better. Uh, that's one of the fun things about when you change away from a stereotype is that usually what you substitute for it is just going to make a much better story. Um, but the other thing goes back uh to the actual original framing of the question of you don't want to base everything on yourself but especially when we're in the world of science fiction one thing you can do is know a couple of ways that you are neuro neuroatypical you know i process time unusually and say okay 
you know, this is speculative fiction. What what if I imagine someone for whom that particular characteristic is a hundred times more more potent? What does that do? Uh, what if it's a thousand times more potent? What if there is a technology or an alien substance or something that that changes whether it's times a hundred or times a thousand? And then you can look at different aspect of yourself. You know, I, I parse music unusually for most people. What if that is multiplied by ten or by a thousand? So you can often actually make especially since you're semi-inventing them, many different, very interesting, invented neuroatypicalnesses out of magnifying your own. And one of the great things about that is then you're speaking from your own authentic experience and you're magnifying them out of something that is real and that you know and that you know you're treating sensitively because you're from within it, uh, which can be very rich and a little safer than trying to depict something with which you don't have familiarity for which you have to do even more work. Now you want to do the work both ways because the fact that you have a condition doesn't mean you can't be bad about the way you talk about or depict the condition. Uh, we all learn from each other about ways to understand and talk about us ourselves even better. Um, but I forget if it was Delaney or Gene Wolfe who said, I've never seen the deck of a ship awash with blood. But I've cut my finger in the kitchen, and I've watched what it looks like when it drips. <laughs> and I can magnify that. Uh, and in the same way, you've never been at an alien planet where your cognition is working at a different thing so that time is oscillating from being at, a, at ten, 100 times to 10 times faster than normal. But you may have had experiences of processing time differently from others. And just like your blood dripping from your finger in the kitchen, you can amplify that. And that's one of the arenas where the fact that it's fantasy NSF gives us a lot of leeway to, to go in deep and create something really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. That's wow. <laughs> just talking to this panel is like really, I don't know, actualizing. Um, Okay, um, I'm thinking I'm kind of wrapping up the end of what I had kind of prepared for today. Um, but before I actually get to like the actual wrap up wrap up, I really just wanted to just put it out there to you guys. If there is any particular thing that you want to talk about, or you want to bring up some something that's really important to you, this is your moment. I'm curious, I'm um, curious whether, well, not whether, but we all have characters, most likely, who are neurodivergent in our stories, but um, I've already pointed out that there are characters that I suspect are neurodivergent or neuroatypical, and um, oftentimes I don't, I don't know and I won't know until I get farther along in their character arc and I can kind of discover those things, because that's how it was for me, that's, that's organic for me, I was adult diagnosed. And I just thought I was a quirky person. And then it wasn't until later in life that I realized, oh, I'm not as quirky as I thought. This is actually a very common thing for people that are neurodivergent in this specific pattern because they all are quirky the same way I am, which both makes you feel less special, but also you have a community of people that understand and empathize and sympathize. And I think when we're creating characters, they are on a journey and a path where they don't know potentially how different they are or divergent they are from how other people live their lives whether it's because they're living in a cultural setting where what is normal is not normal for us vice versa etc etc but having said that as a large long caveat are there any characters specifically where you said in your own works speaking of the panel where you said this character definitely is 
neurodivergent. And maybe you can even name what kind of neurodivergence, but you say, this character definitely is. Like, I have a character like that in my book. A, cu- a couple characters where I've suspected, but one, specifically Kenton, he is um, self-isolating, and he is um, uh, sort of autistic in many ways. And sorry, there's somebody in the other room. But um, that character is uh, kind of a foil to my main character, who is divergent in other ways, but Kenton is ostracized, he suffers a lot of trauma from that, and yet he still has to learn how to cope and socialize and, and, and articulate and communicate with people in ways that are either non-threatening or non-other, um, uh, non um, I guess you could say. And, and I, I'm curious what everybody else has, if they have at least one character in their work, they would point to and say, yes, this person's neurodivergent. I mean, I already said earlier in the panel, kind of, but the protagonist and one of the major villains in the Outside Trilogy are autistic, and it says that directly in the text. Like I said, it it took me a while to, like, well, during the writing process to figure that out about them, but by the time I had revised and published the book, it's very clear. And there are some other characters who are explicitly, definitely neurodivergent in my my short stories and elsewhere and as more minor characters in the series. So that's me. I uh, only have two books out so far, but each of them have like at least one character who's named as like uh, autistic. I think I named it in the first in the first book. I can't actually remember. It's been a while since I read it. Uh, but it's mentioned the the first one at least mentions that one character has at least some kind of neurodiversity. And uh, in the falls, all there is, which came out last November, the most recent thing I published, um, it's explicitly stated that the main character um, is autistic, um, and that was the that was the one that I think I alluded to this earlier. I did it in first person, and that really allowed me to explore um, neurodiversity more in depth. Because this is this the narrator is a guy with like he feels everything very intensely all of the time, um, and then so he needs a lot of pages to just sort of process everything. And um, one of the things that I got that I that was really fun to sort of explore with a book like that was that. Um, it takes place over a very short period of time, um, and he never gets a chance to really rest. So he's just constantly like fighting off the the possibility of having a meltdown, which he knows will be used against him because it's sort of like a court uh, setting, um, like royal court, not like law. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like so it's the po- the threat of having some kind of meltdown or overwhelm. Is sort of constantly there because he because through the whole throughout the whole book he's not necessarily given many chances to really rest or recover from anything. So that was a cool way I, I was able to use uh, neurodiversity to allow it to actually affect the plot in ways that would also build the character. So I already mentioned the people who are raised within computer interfaces and and uh, there are several of them and they they are engaged within a variety of ways. Uh, there's also uh, a major political leader, uh, the Masonic Emperor, who ha- has PTSD, uh, which we see not very visibly because he's very good at performing strength. But when we see him in more intimate situations, we see it uh, manifesting. There are several other figures that are shaped by different kinds of trauma. Um, there is a character called Kato Weeksbooth, who is both autistic and um uh depressive although we engage with the depression more directly in the text um also asexual 
uh, with trauma related to that. Uh, and then the car the narrator, Mycroft Kenner, is a is an onion of peeling back layers of uh, of of mind strangeness. Uh, who very early on in the text says to the reader, "My great merit as an historian is that I am known to be insane." Uh, but we continue to discover new ways in which this narrator is far from uh, neurotypical all the way to the very end uh, as we peel back layer upon layer upon layer of a very complicated ent entity. <laughs> uh, and then there's another character, J.E.D.D. Mason, that in a very science fictional direction engages with uh, communications difficulties and has many characteristics we associate with autism, although it's a science fictional cause uh, that I'm not going to discuss overtly with those who have read the series know what I'm talking about. Uh, but the ability that our planet has to engage with and communicate with that individual benefits from our history of studying uh, cognition. And there's also an entire political group dedicated to promoting mental diversity uh, that, that is one of the seven large political groups of the world that has a complicated taxonomic way of, of categorizing people and believes that the widest variety of minds is the most fruitful path for humanity. And then there's a lot of strife over whether they're right or whether they're wrong or whether their definitions are too narrow. So lots of it in the politics as well as in the people. Okay. Um, well, with my book, um, well, that one, uh, Renoir Saga, the main character has PTSD and he's also depressive. Um, with uh, Dragon Mage, the other one, um, the main character is on the autism spectrum. Um, but it's never actually like named, you know, but I think that most readers would be able to identify that. Okay, what I would want to do at this time is just give you guys each a chance to kind of like plug your work. Um, this is your opportunity to sell your work to, you know, potential readers. And so I just want you guys to kind of go a little nuts. Um, let's start with you, Ada Palmer. Sure. I mean, I think many of we just talked about a lot of the good elements of our work, uh, especially to anyone who tuned into this particular panel, who will therefore be discussed, uh, excited by the the things we just looked at. Uh, so, you know, Terra Ignota, I just described a lot of what it's in. It has politics, it has metaphysics, it has flying cars. Uh, what, what more could you want? Uh, it has questions of whether or not there is contact with aliens. It's a lot of fun. It also has miracles. Uh, separately, however, switching my different hat, uh, I have a blog, exurbe.com, E-X-U-R-B-E.com, on which I will recommend a couple of recent-ish essays. One of them on, because this is with my historian hat, COVID and the Black Death and what the Black Death tells us about what COVID is doing to us, which is, of course, a mental health question because we're living in a world mental health epidemic as well as everything else. Uh, and talking about instances in the past where, yes, people were also having trauma during the Black Death. No, they didn't all sit down to write a novel. No, Newton didn't come up with physics uh, on his own during uh, uh, quarantining from the plague. Actually, he went to the countryside, did some speculation about it, but didn't have access to his library, did the math wrong, thought he was wrong, and put it in a drawer for 10 years until a friend found it and pointed out the error, and he was, in fact, right. Uh, so, no, people aren't productive during trauma. Uh, it's okay, relax. Uh, so some of you might find that blog post cheering with its historical detail. 
Um, and I also, uh, for those interested in the intersection between mental health, uh, neural diversity and education, I was on my university's committee this year for adapting and last year for adapting teaching for COVID and developing COVID specific um, st healthy work habits and self-care guidelines, uh, which are also in a blog post on there, which uh, people may find interesting to look at in terms of how the progressive efforts to get better understanding of neurodiversity and mental health as a normal thing to talk about are being implemented as opposed to just being discussed as a goal. Uh, so beyond the science fiction, which I hope people will read and enjoy, you may also enjoy some of that nonfiction discussion. And of course, I have an essay about my disability history and the power of talking about disability, which is on Strange Horizons. I think if you Google Ada Palmer disability power, you'll find it. Thank you. I will definitely do that. Um, Connor. Um, the latest book I have is uh, The Fall is All There Is. It's got autism rep, a bisexual main character who's constantly very horny. Uh, it's got cyborg horses, uh, a tr train made of sinew and ox scales and bison fur. and There's a bunch of weird shit. There, people live in the skeletons of giant prehistoric animals. There are ghosts uh, that you can breathe in and get infected by. There's a lot of weird shit. It's like, it's, I think Clayton Snyder described it as uh, Rogers Lasney's Nine Princes in Amber crossed with uh, the new weird genre. That sounds amazing. Thank you. I will definitely need to check that out. Ada Hoffman. All right, so I have already waved um, my book at you, but I will wave it again. And I will say I discussed the autism and the other neurodiversity representation in the outside trilogy already, but I think I haven't talked about like what kinds of books they are apart from that. So they are cosmic horror flavored space opera. There are artificially intelligent gods that rule the galaxy. There are cyborg angels. Um, and there, it's also a very queer series. The main character is a lesbian and there's a bunch of other, um, versions of queer characters elsewhere um, in the series. Um, so definitely, um, if that is your thing, the Outside Trilogy, Out from Angry Robot, book one is The Outside, book two is The Fallen, and book three that I just waved at you is just came out this week is The Infinite. Um, if you want to read my autistic book review series, that is called Autistic Book Party, and you can find it at my website, adahoffman.com. Uh, or if you want to read, uh, like, my just blog or essays or nonfiction on a wider variety of topics, there is also my Substack, um, adahoffman.substack.com. It is called Everything is True, and it will, the free version will give you all the updates on what I'm writing next and where I'm appearing and all that kind of thing that you want from an IFO newsletter. And if you want to hear me write even more things, then there's also a paid version. So that's me. That's where you can find me. Thank you. Thank you. And Justin. Yeah, uh, I think I mentioned already that um, I wrote Master of Sorrows and Master Artificer. And those are the first two books in the Silent God series. Um, currently uh, finishing up uh, Master of the Fallen. People keep asking about when that's going to come out. It should have come out um, 
like last year should have come out and then it was going to come out in April. And um, because of many things that are related to my own personal neurodivergence and personal life, the, the book was delayed and it's still delayed, but um, it's almost done, um, which I can show. So I can show the, um, I'm going to pull that up here from my phone since I don't have uh, all the things. Um, I've got, or, there we go. Um, here is, There we go. Um, so that's Master of Sorrows and Master Artificer. So if you see big shiny birds on the front, those are probably my books. Um, and then um, the book that I'm drafting right now, Master of the Fallen. Um, this is the cover for that one. And then um, the short story that was recently released by Grimdark Magazine, uh, The Day the Gods Went Silent. Uh, that was released in December, and I believe I have a picture. Yeah, here we go. Here's me holding that book. It's got a whole bunch of other cool authors in it. Um, but the novelette that I have in there, it, it's a prequel. It takes place a thousand years before the main events in my main series, but it sheds a lot of light on those things in the main series. Um, and as far as what the series deals with, it's dark epic fantasy. I compare myself oftentimes to Brandon Sanderson, but say darker and grittier, it's far less prolific. Um, but I will put um, with much arrogance, my world building and magic systems on par with Brandon because he's invested a lot of time and energy into those. And I've probably invested a lot, even more time and energy into those because of my OCD and ADHD. And it's something I'm passionate about, just like linguistics and, and other things that are occurring right now. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Very cool. Well, I want to thank all of you. This has been really a very worthwhile, incredibly um, mind-opening panel for me. And I think that anybody who tunes in here is really going to get a lot out of it. Just speaking with you guys has been, you know, just a great experience for me. And I am very, very grateful to all of you because each of you have given me more wonderful things to think about and consider with my own writing. So thank you very much. Thanks for hosting us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Great getting to know everyone. <laughs>